Well, good morning. If you've been in church any amount and heard a few of the stories, then the story you're going to hear today is going to be one that's pretty familiar to you. In fact, you might even be inclined to say, you know what, I don't even have to listen this go-round because I already know about this story. But I'm going to ask you to try to keep those eyes open and your mind alert because we might take a little shift and go in a different direction. But for those of you who've been to a VBS or sat in a Sunday school, you probably can answer this. What's the fill in the blank? What's the blank of Abraham? The faith of Abraham. This is something that we're all familiar with. And there's reasons why he's called the father of faith. We know from Genesis chapter 12, it opens up that he is obedient to God when God calls him to leave his land and go to a place where God will later show to him. He gave Lot the first pick. Remember, they're out there and they realize there's just not enough room. And he, he says to Lot, I'll let you pick whatever land you want. And of course, Lot picked the real lush land. But Abraham had faith that no matter where he was, no matter where his sheep were, that God would take for him, uh, take care of him. Abraham, on multiple occasions, stops and builds altars and he worships. And he honors God through sacrifice, through praise, and through prayer. It was the faith of Abraham that allowed him to go fight and save his nephew Lot when he got into a little bit of trouble. It's also this faith that he had when after uh, he had won victory over the people who had taken away Lot, he now has an opportunity to get the spoils of war. And he says, I'm not going to do it. I won't take it. Because if I do, then you might say that I became rich because of this, but he wanted God to receive the glory for that. And it was in the same period in Genesis chapter 14 that he's going to meet the priest. Anybody remember his name? Melchizedek. And there he's going to offer the priest a tenth of what he has. We know that Abraham is a faithful person because he believed God. And in fact, it says that it was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith. If, he, if he's not a faithful person, then we would struggle with the idea of why at 99 years old, Abraham and all of his family and all of the men in his household would be circumcised. That, that takes a great deal of faith when God says, hey, I have this new covenant I have with you and here's how it's going to play out. This is great faith. It was faith that displayed probably no better than in Genesis chapter 22 when he agrees to sacrifice his son not knowing for sure how it was going to play out, but believing that God would not allow that to happen. Later on, it was that, that faith that allowed him to show hospitality to the, the three visitors who are later seen as angels. It's also that faith that he has as he pleads for Sodom. He says, Lord, if there are just 50 people faithful in that city, will you save them? If there's 45 if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's, if there's just 10 people, it's the faith and desire that he has of him being so good and pure. And later on, as he's going to pray for Abimelech, a story that we'll get into a little bit later on. But it just over and over again, we have this faith of Abraham. But I want to argue that maybe 
when we focus so much on his faith, we miss out on something else. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. I don't want to talk about the faith of Abraham. I really just want to focus in on the fails of Abraham. And you say, well, that's not right. We can't do that. He's a patriarch. I mean, he's, he's, he was so well-loved. I mean, without him, you know, we would not have the, the, the faith that we have today. And even Jesus would, would talk about that. You go to Hebrews chapter 11, and over it talks about the faith of Abraham. But I want to argue this morning that, that Abraham was a lot like Babe Ruth. You know, we talk about Babe Ruth and all the home runs that we hit that he hit, but we don't always acknowledge all the times that he struck out. But this morning, I want to take some time, and I want, to, I want to talk about the times that Abraham made it to the plate, and after three swings, he went right back to the dugout. So you don't believe me on this. Well, let's start out on the very first chapter when we get the call of Abraham. You remember what he's called to do? He's called to leave the land and called to leave who? His father's household. Well, that sounds about right, but that's not exactly how it played out, did it? In fact, he's going to have a tag along with him. We've already named him before. What's his nephew's name? Lot. God said, I want you to leave your father's family and go. But Abraham decided he's going to take his nephew with him. And is that going to have consequences? You better believe it. Like we mentioned earlier, almost from the very get-go, Abraham uh, and his shepherds and Lot's shepherds, they get into this argument because there's just not enough land. There's not enough room for them, so there's bickering that's going on. God said, you don't take Lot with you. He said, you leave your, your father's family behind, but Abraham says, I'm going to do it my way. And that's going to lead to more issues as he's going to have to go off and save his nephew Lot. And it's going to happen over and over again. Then Lot is going to get caught up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Then, then Lot is going to get caught up with losing his wife. And then Lot's going to get caught up with a really difficult situation with his daughter-in-laws. And God had said, here's what I want you to do. And Abraham, he failed. He didn't do what God called him to do. But that's not the only time. Then we have this weird story in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, he is, is going through towns and he stops and he turns to his wife and he says, Hey, let's, let's do a little role play. I don't want you to be my wife. I want you to pretend to be my sister because everybody knows sarah you're good looking and if people see you and then they see me they would say the easiest way to get to you is through me and they're going to have no problem doing that and so when we walk in and people see you i want you to say hey he's just my brother and she agrees and she does this just really crazy that's that's really a failure in faith and trusting that God would take care of it. And it only gets worse from there, doesn't it? Because then after a while, God has promised him that he's going to be the father of many nations. And he says, look, I'm not even the father of one. 
And so his wife, I love this story. His wife, Sarah, says, hey, look, you know what? We, we've got to make sure that, that you're, you start having kids. And obviously, it's not working with me. I'm getting old. So take uh, Hagar. And, and that's, that is my servant. You can sleep with her. She can have a child. And, and then you can extend on. And then, then the promise becomes true. And Abraham does something he should have never done. He agrees with his wife. He does it. Hagar becomes pregnant. And immediately Sarah's like, what did you do? Why would you do this to us? And he was like, yeah, I, I don't know. He, he was in big trouble. That was a failure of Abraham. And, and honestly, this is a really sad part. Sarah becomes so uh, jealous of Hagar that she begins to mistreat her. And Abraham just watches it. In fact, the mistreatment is so bad that the, the pregnant Hagar runs. She flees for her own life. She Well, she was pregnant. She's going to have a child. And Hagar just mistreats her terribly. And Abraham allowed it. Later on, God is going to send a messenger who's going to remind Abraham that he's going to have a child. And although Sarah's going to do it later, in Genesis 17, 17, Abraham laughs at the idea of becoming a father. And then once again, we're going to have uh, them rolling through town, right? She is now 90 years old. Abraham is 100 and he's going to again turn to his wife and says, Honey, you're really good looking at 90 years old. And so what I need you to do is I need you to tell people that I'm your brother, not your husband. And she does it. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about the, the faith of Abraham, but I think it's really important that we stop and just recognize that he made some mistakes. He made some really big mistakes. In fact, one preacher one time said that the reason why we take off our shoes in the airport is because of the mistake that Abraham made when he decided to sleep with Hagar. I mean, that's the wars that are taking place in the Middle East are a result of what Abraham chose to do, his failure to be faithful to God when God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. He messed up. And so why are we doing Why are we talking about this? Why, why do you think it's so important for me to stand up here and waste your time basically discrediting Abraham, the father of our faith? I mean, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, he's recognized by his faith. But here I'm standing up to tell you that, look, he really had a lot of failures. Well, I, I think it's important that we know this. And there's a couple things that I want us to get from this. One of them is, even when he lacked faith, God still remained faithful. But there's somewhere else I really want to go 
but I want to switch gears and I want to talk about somebody altogether different, also an Old Testament character. Uh, we, if you're in life groups, we studied him several weeks ago. Uh, Lance and I take turns uh, writing the different uh, life groups for each week. And this is one of his better ones. We talked about Ezekiel, the story of Ezekiel. How many of you are familiar with the story of Ezekiel? How many of you have read through Ezekiel before? There's some crazy stuff going on with Ezekiel. There's some crazy, that he's going to have this vision, there's going to be these flying beasts, there's going to have these heads and eyes and wings, and it all goes crazy. But basically what happens is, God is going to call Ezekiel his prophet, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to these obstinate, rebellious people, and I want you to, to, to prophesy, and they may listen to you, and they may not. But I want them to know that there is a prophet among them. But here's the truth. God calls Ezekiel to fail. That's the bottom line. God is going to call Ezekiel to do something. And he knows that by any metric or any measure, Ezekiel will be a failure. In fact, one of the times he says, Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. For 390 days, I want you to lay on your left side. Do the math. That's over a year. Lay on your left side. Because I want my people to know that the northern kingdom, for every day that you're on your left side, that's a year that they will spend enslaved. And after he got done with that, God said, okay, I want you to spend another 40 years on your right, 40 days on your right side. So that the, the southern kingdom will know that for every day you're laying on your left side, that they, that is a year that they will spend in captivity. Have you ever thought that that was God was going to call you to do? I mean, I want God to call me. I want God to call me to win the lottery. I want God to call me to have an opportunity to, to write a book that will be read by millions of people and inspire them. If God called me, he's like, hey, Doug, I got this great plan. Lay on your side next 13 months. God, I don't really think that's something I want to do. But, but listen to this. This is what God's going to say to him. This is uh, Ezekiel 3, starting in verse 7. It says, The people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me, for all the uh, Israelites are hardened and obstinate. I will make you as unyielding and as hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified uh, by them, though they are a rebellious people. Can you imagine that's what God, you are now a prophet of God. God has spoken to you. I want you to go out and I want you to share this message, but I want you to know the people aren't going to listen to you. They're rebellious. They're obstinate. But don't worry. I'm going to give you a really, really hard head, right? I'm not saying that he's already given that message to Stan Hass, but maybe so. Maybe he said, you're going to have a head harder than Flint. And then he says, I want you to go out, and people are not going to listen to you. 
you are going to fail. You know, I said one of the reasons that I think looking over the failures of Abraham, because it reminds us that even when he struggled in his faith, God remained faithful. But I think there's another really important reason why I wanted to talk about the failures of Abraham. Because Abraham didn't quit when he faced failures. God said, I want you to leave your father's household and go. And guess what? Abraham listened, but not, not fully. And this is going to lead to a lot of issues. I mean, out of the gate, the shepherds are arguing about where the sheep are going to graze. And Abraham could have looked and said, you know what? I messed up. I didn't do what God told me to. He's out fighting warriors, wars trying to save his, his nephew. He's got to deal with the whole issue of Sodom, pleading for them. If he had just listened to God in the first place, it wouldn't have happened. How many times do you think Abraham sitting there in the tent with Sarah, why in the world would you sleep with Hagar? How many times do you think Abraham thought, you know what, if I'd just been faithful, I wouldn't be in this issue. He failed. But what I love about the story of Abraham and the story of Ezekiel is the fact that they failed and then they just got up and kept going again. In 1983, uh, in a book Samuel Beckett wrote, these six words, and these are the six words I want us to focus in on this morning. Try again. Fail again. Fail better. This morning, what I really want to do is I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, I want to spur you on, I want to cheer you on as you fail this week. I want you right now to start thinking about how you can fail this week. I want you to be willing, to be eager, to be people who fail. And you say, no, no, that's wrong. We can't do that. We have to be people who have victories and successes. Do you really think that Abraham displayed his faith only when he was in the good times? His faith was cemented in the fact that he failed, but he went back to God again and again. Over and over again, we see that his character, his faithfulness, and his dedication to God happened after he failed. There's another Abraham that you are probably familiar with. He was a little bit closer to, to our time period. Not too close, although for some of us, we, he was nearly a contemporary. But Abraham, in 1832, he lost a job. That same year, he was defeated for state legislature. In 1833, one year later, he, was, uh, he failed in business. In 1835, his sweetheart died. 
1836, he had a nervous breakdown. In 1838, he was defeated for the speaker. In uh, 1843, he was defeated in his nomination for Congress. In 1848, he lost his renomination. In 1849, he was rejected for land officer. In 1854, he was defeated for U.S. Senate. In 1856, he was defeated for the nomination for vice president. In 1858, he was defeated again for the U.S. Senate. And then in 1860, our good friend Abraham Lincoln, who is on the penny and is known worldwide as one of the greatest presidents this country has ever had, was elected. Failure after failure after failure after failure. And no one talks about Abraham Lincoln as a failure. They only talk about how his victories as a president. But over and over and over again, he had lost mental breakdowns over and over again. Try again, fail again, and fail better. We have been in a time where as a people, as a church, as a, as a group of believers, we have been largely successful in this country. Prayer was in school, Bibles were in courtrooms, scriptures were on walls, peoples were in, people were in churches, Christians were in political offices, and God gave us success over and over again. We would throw our hat into this thing called VBS, and it would work out, and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people would drop their kids off at a church, and we would get to talk to them about Jesus. We would go knocking on doors, and people would answer the door. That will never happen in my lifetime again. We participated in revivals and meetings, and, and entire, entire towns would show up at the different meetings and revivals. That was a part of our lives that is no more. But God was faithful in those successes. Can we be faithful in our failures? I want you to imagine this week something that you can do for God that will fail. Because what's the alternative? The only other alternative to trying and failing is just not trying at all. Church, we must fail this week. We as individuals must be willing to fail. I want you to leave this place excited about how you are going to fail this week at showing Jesus. I want you to see how many times you can fail. I dare you. Keep a tally. Take a notebook with you. 
put it on your phone, try to do something, and when you fail, I want you to be like, yes, I failed at this. I tried to show kindness to someone, and they responded with anger. And you could say, well, you failed at that. Yes! You are going to pray for people this week for their hearts to change, and they're not ready to change, and their heart's not going to change, and that is a failure. And you say, yes! You're going to invite somebody to come to church with you, and they're going to give you any number of reasons not to come, and you're going to say, that's a failure. And you're going to say, yes! I failed again! I want us to show up next week. I want everybody to be talking about how many times they failed. Because you don't succeed if you aren't willing to fail. And that's what God is calling us to. Listen, I just, I need to tell you something. You, you probably know this. But like there was a time that I was not this. I mean like this is like just handsome. Just, just striking and, and witty. I mean I know so many of you are like, I wish I could be more like him. I know, I can't help it. But there was a time that I wasn't like this. I can tell you with 100% certainty that I grew up as a failure. I failed in sports. I failed in school. I failed in relationships with friends and with girls. I failed over and over. I have been stood up so many times. I have been turned down so many times. I mean, it's just like who I was. It became who I was. I was just, I was the guy who failed. And this really weird thing started to happen. I'm like, I just started to embrace the fact that I'm the failure of the group. I had two other best friends. I love telling this story. And we'd go walking around. We'd go out to Six Flags. And they were both uh, more athletic and better looking and smarter than me. Right? And I know it's hard to believe now, but there was a time that there were people who were smarter and better looking than me. And we would go walking around. And they would see these girls. Usually they would, the girls would walk in twos. But there were three of us. And then both of them were scared. Because they didn't want to make, they didn't want to be turned down. I'm like, turned down? That's like my middle name. That's like my MO. That's how I live life. And we would go there. I would say, I'll go talk to them. And I'd go talk to those two girls. They'd walk up and they go, oh, man, that guy's coming and walk away. And I'd say, no, 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 look. Look at my buddies over there. They're sitting hiding behind the corner. I'd say, you know, y'all want to go on rides with us? Y'all want, you know? And they'd be like, they would, look, they would look at me, and they'd look around me, and they'd be like, sure. And they would split me and go to them. And then I was always the odd one out. But I was like, I'm okay. I can fail. That's just what I do. But until we can just say, you know what? I'm willing to fail for Jesus then we're just going to sit there and say, you know, I, I just don't think I can do it. If we are going to reach people in this world, in this community, we just have to say, you know what, we're going to do some things and it's just not going to work. But that's what I want us to do. Because that's what Abraham did. Because it wasn't about his fails. 
It was about the fact that he had great faith even after those. And so this morning, I encourage you, start thinking, dreaming, imagining about walking across the street or across the aisle at the grocery store and find ways that you can fail this week. And and this week, let us show our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by failing for him. Please join me this morning as we stand and sing.